Welcome back to another episode of Theology Doesn't Suck, where hopefully (laughs) theology doesn't suck. That was a beautiful intro, probably my best work yet. If uh, you're new to the podcast, I am one of your hosts here, the less attractive uh, host, Josh Patterson, and with me is the more attractive host with a beard. Marty Frederick, or Martin, if you prefer. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? (laughs) What it is, Marty. So Josh and I just had a great discussion right before we started recording where I told him I would never do an introduction to an episode. Yeah, never. It will never happen. That's a real bummer, dude. I think our fans, our listeners, our fans are going to demand it. Well, well, now that I've said never, I feel like I have to stick to it. And there's a story behind that, Josh. Um, as as you'll learn about me, listeners, and as Josh knows about me so well, and sometimes <laughs> when he and his wife would come over, I would say, oh, let me tell you about that. And I'd look and they'd both roll their eyes like, oh, here comes another stupid story. Um, <laughs> my, when I first met my wife, my wife had grown up my learning wife. to play. <laughs> and my wife. My wife had grown up learning to play cribbage. Cribbage was one of her favorite games. Josh, have you, have you ever played cribbage before? I know what Quidditch is, but I have no idea what no, the no, heck is Quidditch. Quidditch. Come on. <laughs> okay, first of all, grow another 10 years and then you can know. But um, Okay. So Cribbage is a, is a game with dice. I'm sorry, with cards, like playing cards, and then like a board with like a peg that you can move around to score. I'm probably butchering that because here's the story about Cribbage. My wife loves playing Cribbage. She played Cribbage with her dad all the time when she was younger. And she asked me if I would learn to play cribbage and sort of just like that one time I was like, no, I don't really want to play cribbage. She's like, oh, come on, come on. And so then from that point forward, she she had said something like, you know, oh, you're going to love cribbage. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, I'm really (laughs) like, come on, like love cribbage, whatever. So from that point forward, I made it my thing to never play cribbage. So she'd be like, hey, do you want to play cribbage? Nope, don't want to play cribbage. Someone would, someone else would start talking about it. Hey, have you ever played cribbage before? And she would be like, well, I love playing cribbage, but my husband will never play cribbage with me, he said, because he doesn't want to learn. And then, so then what I did is I learned to play cribbage behind her back. <laughs> and then one time she was like, hey, you want to play cribbage? I was like, yeah, okay, we'll play cribbage. And I still lost, but that was probably my penance for it. So to tie all that in, I feel like now that I've said I can never intro the podcast i've got to just go years and years and years without ever introing the podcast because if i do it then i'll like i'll be i'll be a liar that's true you will be a liar use the word but then you can repent never but then you can repent of your lies because basically that's what it means to be a christian you can just do what you want and then repent and you're good right (laughs) well as as the great michael scott says i didn't say it i declared it so (laughs) I declare bankruptcy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so if there's ever a day where I actually do intro the podcast, um, Josh, you can say, see, I told you so. But, um, you know, I'm just getting into this podcast thing. I got to kind of feel the waters out and how this works before I, you know, start, you know, welcome to theology doesn't suck. You know, like they, people would be like, "This sounds stupid." He never talks like that. You <laughs> Who know? is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, but we that's, are glad you're here. Yeah, we are super glad that you're here. And maybe one day you'll get there, Marty, where you can 
can intro a podcast. I think, you know, that's something we can always learn. And hopefully we're always learning to get better at podcasting and, you know, what is what makes a good podcast, how to have a good conversation, you know, how to interact with guests in a way that's meaningful, all those kind of things. So hopefully we're always getting better. Like, hopefully my hope is that we look back on Theology Doesn't Suck like two, three years from now and be like, dude, we were garbage at podcasting. Why did people even listen? You and know? all these people stuck with us anyway. Because they great? love us, and we yeah. love you. <laughs> well, and you know, you know, based off of last week's episode, Josh, you know, I, I, I have to go. I have to tell you, um, I went back. You know, I was listening to the podcast uh, as we released it last week, and uh, we, as you guys know, if you if you listened to last week's podcast, we talked about should Christians vote, and uh, you know, Josh, I realized at the beginning of the episode in our moment of banter. You said specifically, hey, what if we put a poll up somehow and we had you guys vote on specific guests that we could have come on the podcast? I did but then say your that. position was very clear to say you don't think Christians should vote. So, like, who's going to vote for our poll if they're going to listen to you. So like either uh, our yeah. podcast dies because of you or it flourishes because of me. That was my, <laughs> those are the two that. options. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's a good point. I think, I guess I would. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll do a disclaimer to the whole episode. Last go. I was specifically talking about voting within the realm of government and politics. You should absolutely vote for theology. Doesn't suck because we all know, well, I guess I can't say, so Pete ends his podcast. They say it's the only God-ordained podcast on the internet, which is a really clever thing to say. So I'm bummed I can't say that. But like, we should make up something like we're the only theology podcast that Jesus actually listens to. Or is we're that the her- only theology podcast that doesn't suck? That's true. We should. We I like that better. All right, we're the the only theology podcast that doesn't suck. Are you writing it down with your pen? Yeah, the only theology podcast podcast that doesn't doesn't with an exclamation mark suck. That's really good. Although if we ever want to have somebody on from like another theology podcast that we may or may not listen to, we're they're going to be like, "Hey, what's the deal with you saying our podcast sucks?" Like we have no, no, no. We, millions we of subscribers. Yeah, we didn't say anything about your podcast specifically. We just said <laughs> ours was the only one that doesn't suck. You just extrapolated out of that that yours sucks, and that is just a problem that you have to deal with, man. Like, yeah, that's a problem with them, not with that. us. I got you. And, and then you know what? We can also say our theology doesn't suck is the only Holy Spirit ordained podcast. Ooh, boom! Holy Spirit. That's so good. I'm, not, I'm writing that down. Holy Spirit. Hopefully I'm not making any statements about my opinion on like whether like there's hierarchy in the Trinity at all or anything like that. You heretic. A, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to make a statement on that at this time. So. Yeah. You're confessing modalism or something. Dude, I remember <laughs> speaking of which I remember one time uh, working at our previous place of employment. We were uh, on a writing retreat and I was working with one of the pastors there and I was reading a sermon Uh, That was written. And I was like, hey, pastor so-and-so, we can't teach this because this is heresy. I was like, they're confessing modalism in this, you know, this sermon. He started laughing and he was like, wow, I'm surprised you know what modalism is, which that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. But he took it, uh, he took it to the group as a whole and said, hey, 
While we were writing, Josh pointed out that this is modalism. I agree with him. And everybody just had blank stares, and they didn't know what that meant. And maybe that means those people shouldn't be writing sermons. Anyway, moving on. Before I say something hateful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm holding my tongue literally with my finger. Like, I don't say anything that's really bad. Yeah, he knows what it is. And I'm sure there were other people there on staff who knew what it was. Um, You know, I have a few people in mind. I'm just being more facetious than anything. But you get the point. People are like, oh, what's that? What is heresy? Any, anywho, we, I'm being, I'm being negative. I need to, you know, I need to move on from all the negativity in my life. Uh, you know, with the Washington Capitals not advancing to the Stanley Cup final, they got knocked out in the first round, mm-hmm. you know, cause they suck. What else? No, they don't suck. Um, <laughs> the Blackhawks didn't even make the playoffs. It, it's uh, cause they didn't want to be there. They're like, no, we don't have time for that right now. We had other things to do. Uh, so they're That's like, fair. we could go if we wanted to. We we would we we would be easily able to make it into the playoffs. But it seems <laughs> to us like the best use of our time would be to not this year and just to enjoy other things. So I, I talked to them all specifically, and that was what they told me. So. Oh, they called you. You have their phone numbers. No, no, I went there. I went there, and like I was talking with them, and they're like, "Hey, man, you're the best. You're the awesomest. You should be on a podcast someday." And I was like, "Yeah, that'd be great." Oh and yeah, then Jonathan Taves probably told you that, or Patrick Kane. Taves did, and then Kane did, and then Brent Seabrook was like, I'll beat up anyone that doesn't let you in. Ooh. And so I was like, no, no, I know a guy. Okay, like, I'll just, I just have to wait for my time. <laughs> I have to wait for my time. So, and and then and then Daniel Carcillo said, yeah, well, if they don't let you in, they're in big trouble. And I was like, whoa, you don't even play hockey anymore, bro. So I don't know why you're here, <laughs> but you were tough when you were on the ice, and I would not want to cross you. So you're, I'm going to stick with you, car bomb. Yeah, that's crazy. And then, uh, yeah, that's good. That's I'm glad that the Chicago Blackhawks had such strong influence in your life. You know, I really think that was guided by uh, God, by the Holy Spirit. Um, God, you know, directed a conversation with the Chicago Blackhawks. They pushed you towards podcasting. Uh, hopefully our listeners are now benefiting from that, um, mm-hmm. you know, from just the infinite amounts of wisdom that flow from your mouth so beautifully and succinctly, <laughs> um, all thanks to the Chicago Blackhawks. So. Oh, thanks, guys. And, you know, one of the best parts about meeting the Chicago Blackhawks was just how genuine they were and how amazingly, you know, kind individuals they were. And they were real and they were I mean, the part about me meeting the Blackhawks is not real, by the way. But those people (laughs) are genuine people and they're very real people, which leads me to our topic for the day, Josh. Um, hopefully that was a good segue. See, I'm working on the intro things by way of learning how to segue. So I feel if I can master that, then I can master the introduction stuff later on. That's really good Um, because my segues suck. (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but I I figured I would, um, okay. So it's a known uh, fact. At the the risk of being disingenuous, (laughs) um, so our podcast topic today is about, it's, it's literally called How to Be a Genuine Person. Mm. Uh, and so today, Josh and I want to have a conversation um, that maybe isn't necessarily only rooted in scripture. So like, I, I, I don't want to say that talking about things from the basis of scripture is wrong, because obviously that's wrong to say, but I think (laughs) it's important for us to talk about what it means to be a genuine person, not only from the basis of scripture, but also from a ground level 
grassroots place where we can say, here's what we just as people who have experienced different things at different places, working in this church or working at that church or working at this job, working at that job, you know, as you grow, as you get older, as you get more experience, you begin to see what, what it means to be a genuine person. Mm. Um, and so, uh, Josh, as I was kind of thinking about this topic and kind of trying to figure out what we would say about that, um, I came across an article. Okay. Um, and uh, this article is from the World Economic Forum. Ooh. And so it, I've never heard of that before, but it sounds really important. Um, it does sound really important. World Economic Forum. And yeah, it's a like dot org. Like a, yeah, 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 dot org. So, like, I feel like if I had to, like, if someone said, hey, you're going to be a, a guest speaker after you, your success speaking to the Chicago Blackhawks, um, the World <laughs> Economic Forum would love to have you come and speak. I'd be like, whoa, that sounds like a really big deal. Um, so um, <laughs> they wrote an article back in 2015 called How Being Genuine Affects Your Career Success. And so if you'd like to read the entire article, I would encourage you to go do so. Um, we're going to base a lot of the conversation today just off of some of the points around this article. Um, but so the opening sentence in this article says, there's an enormous amount of research suggesting that emotional intelligence, or from this point on referred to as EQ, uh, is critical to your performance at work. Talent Smart has tested the EQ of more than a million people and found that it explains 58% of success in all types of jobs. Ooh. So Josh, that's a that's a pretty like bold statement to make. You know, by being emotionally intelligent, you will have success. And so before we get into the topic of what success is, because I think that's a large thing to describe, um, <laughs> yeah. Josh, I'm I'm curious to hear from you just in your perspective and in your own words. Like, what would you label or how would you define emotional intelligence? Dang it, Marty. That's a really hard question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good, though. Yes. But I think, yeah, emotional intelligence. Um, well, I mean, I ge like genuinely, I don't know. So I'm doing a quick Google search here. Um, emotional intelligence is literally the capacity to be aware of control and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationship, uh, relationships judiciously and empath em empathetically. So basically, um, you know, somebody who is in touch with their emotions and, uh, is very relational, um, which I think is funny because, I am both very much in touch with my emotions and relational. <laughs> not, I mean, yeah. I'm not, don't take that as me patting myself on the back, but I guess according to this article, or at least according to the def definition, I at least have a decent EQ. Um, you know, uh, speaking about, you know, being a relational person, a genuine person, um, in touch with your emotions, not afraid to express said emotions, um, those kind mm -hmm. of things. I think what's interesting yeah. too, Marty, is, is you and I are very close on this. Actually, we had to take what's called a DISC profile, which is like yeah. uh, an examination of how we interact, how we do things, how we you know work in general. And Marty and I's DISC profile were almost identical. We are both very yeah. high eyes, which what does the I stand for again? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> Me neither. Dang it. it um, 
I'll look it but up. But the idea, the idea behind the disc profile is so I know that D stands for dominance. Oh, I thought so it was douchebag. Oh, well, never yeah. Mind. I mean, I, in, in some ways, that could be the same <laughs> thing. Um, but the D stands for dominance, and not necessarily like dominating people or dominating situations, but uh, more so just like the type of person that you are in the room. Are you the type of person that takes control, or are you the type of person that kind of goes with the flow? So if you have a high D, then you're the type of person that in a meeting or in a room, you would just take over control. If there's not another person leading sort of like you're the, you're an alpha. So if you, if someone's yeah. not willing to be the alpha dog, you're going to step in, you're going to be the alpha right away. I is influence. Influence. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, leading through influence rather than say authority or position, um, you build mm. relationship with people and you lead through influence rather than holding a gun to their back saying I'm in charge. Therefore you must listen to me. That's what I is yeah. influence. Yeah. So, and, and as Josh is talking about the, that, like those types of profiles. So Josh and I are very similar. Our, our profiles were almost identical. The only thing that were, that was different about them was that my eye was like one point higher than his <laughs> eye. And you know, like his S was like one point higher than my S. And so, I mean, we were very close, but there was <clears throat> the disc profile is a lot it's a lot less about the specific categories and the numbers you have. I mean, there's, there's part of that that's important, but the other part of the, the, of that, of the disc profile that's important is sort of the trend. So, mm-hmm. you know, the way that you kind of trend. So someone that has a very high D and dominates may have a high I, but not always. And so it kind of works, it's, it's kind of works its way out. And so like, you'll see a pattern if you, if you were to put all four next to each other, you know, typically low D, high I, low S and C is kind of like how Josh and I were, but others were high D, low I, lower S and even lower C. And so it kind of just, it, but all of that stuff, uh, I, I really liked your opinion, your, your definition of, of emotional intelligence, essentially, oh, thanks. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you did a good job reading that off the internet. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, but the 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 big part about emotional intelligence, I think that's important. You really hit it on the head, Josh. Was the, is the idea that you are? In, I, th- I like the word empathy. That you notice mm-hmm. other people and you kind of notice what's going on around you, but you're also not trying to pretend to be someone that you're not. Right. Um, so here's here's a few numbers and statistics for you on emotional intelligence. Ninety um, percent of top performers have a high EQ. Um, EQ is responsible for fifty eight percent of your job performance, which I mentioned earlier. And then the one that some of our uh, our famous former friends would be the most uh, happy to hear: uh, people with high <laughs> EQ make twenty nine thousand dollars more annually than their low EQ counterparts. Ah, um, so success within the financial realm. Yes. So um, before we go into this idea of genuine, Josh, and I want to I want to leave this to you because you've always done a really good job of this. Um, so. Today we're going to talk about being genuine, but you know, you know, there's sort of the like, well, why should I be genuine? What, like, why should I be a good person? Like, why should I be who I say I am? Or, you know, like, what's the benefit? What's the good part of that? And I think there's a lot behind that. And a lot of times, as this article seems to make clear, at least in those statistics, that being genuine means if you if you're if you're a genuine person, you will experience success. And um, I want to hear from you, Josh, 
can you give me like what a lot of people might call success and then like what you would see as actual success? Yeah. So I think, uh, genuinely speaking from a, you know, societal standpoint, um, success would mean, uh, financial success. You know, you're at the top of your company, you have, you know, you have the nice cars, you have a boat or whatever, you have a nice house, you know, you have a hot wife or a hot husband, you have the perfect kids, you know, all those kind of things. Um, very, I like you, <laughs> I like you. you're a wife, <laughs> she's nice, <laughs> great success. Uh, yeah, those kind of things. Exactly. Like the things that <laughs> Borat gets excited about, that's success yeah. oftentimes within, within our society. And then what I think though, uh, is more, you know, interesting is that success ultimately has to be defined by an individual. And so for me, financial success doesn't mean anything. I'm not excited about monetary gains. Uh, within my realm, being successful would be how can I best partner with God to bring about the kingdom of God on earth as in heaven? You know, in what ways am I constantly being conformed to the image of Christ? And that that's how I would gauge my success is by that specifically. Um, and what I think is really interesting, and I'll just briefly touch on this, um, because I think this person does a very, very good job of speaking about success from a secular uh, perspective without, you know, talking about uh, financial um, success. Hold on, I'm trying to type and I'm not good at typing and talking at the same time because I want to get his name right. Um, but there, there's an author that wrote a book. Um, and it might get me into some hot water because of the title for reading it, whatever. But if you can get over a little bit of profanity in your life, um, I highly recommend this book. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F Word. Um, and it's a counterintuitive approach to living a good life. It's by Mark Manson. This book is phenomenal um, from a secular perspective. But he also breaks down success and talks about it in a way that is not necessarily financially because he says people without money have struggles and then even people with money have the same struggles at the same time like um mm -hmm. anyway we could we could get into that but basically that's it's a good read um I, hopefully i answered your question marty i know i got sidetracked no it was great and you know as josh and you and i as we've talked over the years you know like your your perspective on success has always been you know from what I've gathered, very kingdom oriented instead of uh, being worldly oriented, you know, sure. and so, you know, like, you know, going for it, going for the job that, you know, makes the makes it, is going to give you a 20 percent raise um, or going for, you know, kind of kind of trying to work your way up the corporate ladder, per se, uh, if you were working in the secular world would definitely not be something that would be important to you. Uh, right. As long that does as you not could, motivate could support me. your family. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you could say like, hey, I can support my family, you know, I can pay the bills, I can do the things I'm supposed to be doing in life. But, you know, like, hey, I've got this great opportunity where I can grow. Is it going to help me grow my influence for the kingdom of God? No. Well, probably not as interested in that. You sure. know, and, and I think so, as I as I would define success, I would define define success very simply. My wife and I were just talking about this today. You know, uh, if I die 
and my bank account is smaller than it is right now or about the same, uh, I'm not going to be disappointed. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to be like, but, I, but where I will be disappointed uh, is did I get to experience life to the fullest? Did I get to do the things that I always wanted to do? Did I get to own the thing that I always wanted to own? You know, and if there's, if there, if there becomes moments in life where I can own those things, then great. And I can take uh, advantage of that time. I'm going to do it. Um, and I'm going to travel and see the world and be a part of life and relationship with people, uh, as, as those things come along, but it's not going to be geared towards, man, I just got to figure out how I can make as much money as possible. (laughs) And, because what I've found personally from watching this and other people is they may start off doing that so that they can experience life to the fullest. But they've in, by the time they're able to experience life, they've invested themselves into something so deeply that they don't even have time to be able to do the other things. Yeah, it takes um, up so much time in their life that they've, you know, they're stuck with that and they know nothing else. Yeah, yeah. So um, so this article lists out one, two, three, four. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. <laughs> 12 different ways or marks of a genuine person. Um, so, Josh, I, I don't know that we have time to go over all 12, but I think it'd be important for us to at least list list them uh, and kind of talk about some of them along the way. Um, so um, the first one that is listed in the article, it says, genuine people don't try to make people like them. <laughs> um so uh, that's a big thing in today's world, isn't it? I mean, everyone is always doing what they can to make sure that people like them. And, you know, right. my son, I'll tell you this story. Uh, my son, Elliot, uh, he's nine years old, and we've recently moved from Florida to the Chicago suburbs uh, in, back in December. And so my son, I have four children. My oldest son, Elliot, is the one who is least able to adjust to change. Um Whereas the other three, you know, you could tell them, hey, I know we said we were going to the zoo today, but instead we're going to stay home and do chores. They'd be totally bummed about it. They wouldn't want to do the chores, <laughs> but they would be able to get over it faster than my son who would say, but we had a plan. You know, it was all part of we, we knew what was going on. And I can't believe you changed the plan. And that's the way he works. OK. Um, and so we were talking to him and uh, he's had a hard time adjusting. And so. He's never been the type of kid, Josh, you know, Elliot, yeah. who would get in trouble at school. Uh, he would, he's never been that kind of kid. No, not at um, all. Except here, he's been in trouble a number of times in the classroom for really small, s- simple, silly things. Okay. Uh, he's been in trouble on the bus a number of times, just doing stuff he ne- that's not normal for him to do, but doing them nonetheless. Uh, and so finally, one night I said, Elliot, we, we got to sit down and talk about this. So I said, I'm going to task you. Before bed, I want you to sit down and I want you to write five sentences and tell me what's different about where you are now than where you were six months ago in regards to your behavior. Mm-hmm. And first he said, five sentences. Oh, my gosh. I want to do five. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're going to do all five. And the number one sentence he wrote down was... I am having a hard time with my behavior because I want to fit in and I don't fit in here. Mm. And as a father, of course, after I got over the stab to the heart of sadness that you hear your son, you know, saying to you, I don't fit in, you know, people don't like me. I'm, you know, I get picked on, I get teased, you know, 
we got we got to have this great discussion about what it means to just be who you are. Sure. And sure. not worry about. So, you know, he said, but, I, you know, I want all these people to like me. I want to have all these friends. I want all these people to be my friend and want to spend time with me. For him, the conversation of Elliot, maybe for you, it's better to have two or three or even one really close friend instead of 25 friends that aren't really all that close to you. So maybe it's better for Elliot to have deeper relationships rather than wider relationships at that if that you know that metaphor kind of makes sense, so I just want to hear what you have to say about that, Josh, because it was an interesting conversation. But um, I think he walked away feeling like you know, kind of learning, like okay, maybe it's more important to be who I really am and to say to you know to make friends with people based on what I what I actually like, instead of making up these things and saying, oh, I like the I like that too, but you've never actually done that thing before or whatever. Yeah, no, I think I think that's really good. Um, I think that, you know, what for me, what I have found, because I have tried to do the be somebody or not thing. And that is why I was so miserable at my last job, because when I was interviewing for that position, I acted as somebody I was. And I said the things that I wanted those people that I thought those people wanted to hear And because of that, I then had to pretend to be somebody I wasn't and it wrecked me. Um, And so I think even just from an emotional perspective, when you're, you know, it's just dangerous. You know, you're going to it's harder to, you know, to live into lies all the time than it is to just be truthful and and be who you are. And I think, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, But also, too, what I struggle with and and, um, you know, maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit, but one thing that. Um, that I noticed is uh, within this realm of being genuine and not trying to make people like you. I remember being taught at our place of employment, Marty, that there were certain people that we had to get to like us because of the financial affluence that they had. And those are the people our church was, quote, targeted towards because God called us to target the people that just happened to have a lot of money. Um, when that doesn't necessarily mean being genuine to yourself. Um, and so that's, you know, that's really difficult. Uh, but I think, I don't know, I think being genuine, you know, when you're seeking to be somebody you're not, and then you get people to like you, um, and they find out who you are, they didn't never really like you for who you are. They liked a fake version of yourself. And so you're not really ever going to make true friends that way. But also, I think people are attracted to a genuine person. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I think people can smell BS from a mile away. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I don't have kids, so I don't have like a fancy kid il- illustration that I can give. Like I think your story with Elliot was really great. Um, I don't have that experience, you know, so I don't, I can't tie into that. But I do know from my own personal experience that just being genuine, being willing to be who I am, which is a a lesson I learned, I guess, sophomore year, um, it's going to cost you quote unquote friends. They're probably fake friends if they're not going to stick with you through, you know, things. Um, but at the end of the day, you'll have real friends, people who are actually going to be by your side. Um, and I think that that's a great benefit to, uh, you know, not trying to get people to like you, but just being who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really great, Josh. And you're right. I mean, there's, 
you know, I want to get into the conversation about like what it means to, you know, like our personal experience and like what it meant to work somewhere uh, where you had to kind of be someone you really weren't all the time, you know, and I, what, the, I, the, the easiest way to describe that, I guess, sometimes is, you know, I say, I tell my wife, you know, she asks, why are you so tired on Sunday after church? And sometimes I, my answer is just, you know, I just had to be on all hmm. day long, you know, and like, if you know what that means, like you have to be on all day. So you've got to be, you know, you got to walk around with this smile on your face and, you know, you have to be something, you know, because maybe that day, maybe something is not going well. Right, that day. right. But you've got to walk around with this smile on and this cheery and chippy personality that just like everyone looks at it's like, oh man, like Marty's always got it together. He's always in a good mood. And, you know, that's just not true. <laughs> just, it's, it is obviously not true just because I'm a person that I could always be in a good mood. Um, and so, yeah, that was really good, Josh. Um a couple of the other ones that are on this list, and I'm going to pass a few of them up and then get to another one. Um, again, please look for the article and read the article for yourself. I think it's really important. Yeah, we might um, be able to post how, it. I'll post it in the show notes if I remember. Yeah, but if, if you know, it just, just so everyone can hear it again, it's, uh, it's, uh, on, uh, it's, it's called How Being Genuine Affects Career Success. So the next one is they don't pass judgment. They forge their own paths. They are generous. Uh, and then here's one that I want to kind of stop at here. Yeah. They treat ev- everyone with respect. They treat everyone with respect. Um, and, uh, you know, Josh, um, we may get ourselves in a little bit of trouble with this episode. So, <laughs> um, we're just going to bring <laughs> it, baby. Um, but hey, you know what? This is a podcast. This is a free country, you know, so we can do what we want to do. Yeah. Um, somebody voted for that. That's right. <laughs> hey, nice. Um, and so, um, in, in a previous place of employment, I remember uh, we were tasked with finding lay leaders mm-hmm. um, to be a part of different things that we were doing. Um, and um, there was, you know, Josh, as you had kind of previously mentioned, you know, maybe certain people were for, you know, focused on a little bit more based on, you know, like the, maybe the amount that they give or those types of things, which that's a that's a problem for church polity that I don't think we want to talk about right now sure. necessarily. <laughs> Um, but the one thing that I always remember is there were specific individuals that we would know and like you and I, Josh, being the high eye leading out of influence. So in order to do that, we needed to have a relationship with people. Uh, it was impossible. Well, next to impossible for me personally to lead. And I know, Josh, since we're very similar for you too, to lead somebody without relationship with somebody. Right. So, you know, if somebody was going, you know, as a worship pastor, if somebody was going to show up to rehearsal, not speak to anybody and leave at the last second and leave as soon as they could and not ever talk to people. And then on Sunday morning, uh, put on headphones as we were setting up and getting ready to go and listen to music and then play and then go off and they're waiting in their car, you know, as we did all the other stuff as a team and then, you know, leave as soon as they could. That type of person was really difficult for me to lead. Yeah. Um, just because I was unable to lead out of relationships. So as we were getting to know people, Josh, we were getting to see qualities in individuals in the church uh, that would be really great at doing specific leadership areas of the church. Uh, And I remember specifically being told that some of these people would never lead (laughs) groups or lead things because they were too weird. Uh, they were oddballs. They were, they were different. People wouldn't want to spend time with them. Um, and, uh, I remember, you know, uh, being the type of 
you know, person that I am kind of, I mean, seeing and understanding that side and kind of understanding the perspective, like, you know, you put together a group of people who are being led by this person who no one wants to spend any time with, whether or not that's right or not, it might be reality. And so to, <laughs> to, to, to try and force something through that isn't going to work, um, you know, would have been, would have been stupid, you know, because sure. <laughs> you say, Oh, how come this thing didn't work out? Well, so-and-so was leading and, but we thought it'd be okay. Um, <laughs> But, you know, this one, this this piece says whether interacting with their biggest clients or service taking their drink orders, genuine people are unfailingly polite and respectful. They understand that no matter how nice they are to the people they have lunch with, it's all for naught if those people witnesses them behaving badly towards others. Genuine people treat everyone with respect because they believe they're no better than anyone else. Mm. Um, Yeah. And I feel like that statement um, you know, Josh, you and I have had different experiences leading up to when we began to work together, but like that statement does not encapsulate what we have seen. And unfortunately, the terrible thing about this, uh, what we have seen behind closed doors in a ministry setting. Right. Um, and, uh, so I want to shut up and I want to hear your thought <laughs> process on, on just treating everyone with respect. But, you know, I think that's just such a common and like it's, it's such a key aspect of being a genuine person yeah. uh, is treating everyone with the same respect that you've given others. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think a lot of it comes down to a hard issue, too. When you are treating people different ways or you treat people to get what you want out of them, that's not being genuine. That's you know, using people as a means to an end. And I completely think that's wrong. And unfortunately, we did experience those things. Like, um, there's even leaders that I can think of, Marty, that without them, like they were a solid backbone, you know, to the church. And without those people, uh, the church would have been SOL in many a cases. Um, and the way that they Does were SOL stand for sorry out of luck. Yes, I believe so. Or something along those lines. That's what my wife tells yeah. me. It stands for sorry out of luck. Sorry, I've never heard that out before, of luck. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should Google it sometime. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, um, you know, or, or they would, uh, anyway, the way that the, that person was talked about behind closed doors was absolutely atrocious because they yeah. would be fake nice to this person's face and then talk crap about them behind their back, which is terrible. That's not a genuine thing to do. And unfortunately, I feel like that can be the case far often than not. Um, but I do know that mm. one thing um, that this and I, I end up this it gets me into trouble. And man, this is weird because in no way do I feel like I'm patting myself on the back like, oh, look how genuine Josh is because that's not. What, but anyway, <laughs> but I get in trouble for this very thing precisely because this bit where, you know, it talks about treating everyone with respect because they believe they're no better than anyone else, whether it's the, the CEO or the person serving them their drinks uh, I don't get like uppity when I meet the CEO of a company or the head pastor and treat them mm. a certain way. And then when I meet somebody who by society is perceived to be lesser, say the facilities manager, AKA the janitor, treat them differently. I treat both of those people the same. And a lot of times that comes off as me being disrespectful to the person who is quote unquote higher up on level, the CEO, and they get butt hurt about it. And that frustrates me, but I get in trouble for that rather frequently (laughs) and get told that I don't respect people when that's not the case. I just respect everybody the same. 
Right. And, and you know, we, 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 this is a phrase we've actually said already on this podcast, but that's a problem with them, not with you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so when, when approached with those things, if you're listening to this and you're kind of like, man, like Josh, I resonate with that because that's happened to me before. I've been told you're not a very respectful individual when it comes to your elders or something like that. You know, if you feel like you're treating everyone the same, uh, I would stick to your guns because you know that you are being respectful um, of the people that in, in a way that is is genuine. You know, you're and I would say a true mark of being genuine is treating everyone the same simply just because then that's a true you know, it's a truth showing of who you really are. Yeah, it's a true reflection of your inside of who you really are instead of saying, oh, well, you know, when I see this really this person with a lot of money who can maybe give a lot of money, I'm going to be really nice and I'm going to be super cool and just really just really really down to earth but as soon as i see this other person that can do something for me that person's going to be treated like trash because you know I, I i don't have time for that person but also i would argue that in being fake to someone who is perceived as above you it almost becomes this epidemic that you begin to feel power right? and you begin to feel important to yourself, even though you're not important at all in the grand scheme of things. And that level of importance, you treat people the way you think someone of super high importance ought to treat someone of really low importance. <laughs> and so then you begin this, like this terrible thing, it begins to like root through your body and like treat you now all of a sudden, like you're, the complete opposite of being a genuine person. Right. You're actually just a jerk. No, <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, so as we kind of move on through here, there's one more I want to talk through, Josh, before we maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, uh, how to help, how people can uh, recognize uh, genuine people in ministry. Um, as I would gather, many of our listeners are just lay people in the church. Um, and so I'm we a lame get person that too. A late person. Oh, late? Um, late <laughs> as in they're pregnant. Oh. So we have what? a bunch of late podcast listeners, pregnant women, specifically. <laughs> okay, hold on a minute. I'm confusing we have to, terms. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> moving on before we get in trouble. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, and so the other piece, so the, the last piece we want to talk about before we, um, you know, before we close today is just the topic of uh, if you're a lay person in church, how to look at your pastor and the people in leadership in your church and recognize what it lo- what, like, what are some genuine characteristics of a pastor? But then like, what are some characteristics of a pastor that maybe isn't very genuine mm. uh, and ways to, for you personally, not because I'm, I am eager to stir things up among churches and have you leave your church and find reasons to be mad at your pastor, but more so because if you're sitting under a disingenuous pastor, it actually could be, in my opinion, and I'm sure Josh would agree, one of the most dangerous things that you could do as a follower of Christ. Absolutely. Um, But so the last couple pieces in here, and then we're going to talk about one more uh, that Josh might be surprised by. so one says they aren't motivated by material things. They are trustworthy. They are thick skinned. They aren't driven by ego. They aren't hypocrites. They don't brag. But then the one I really wanted to talk about for a few minutes is they put away their phones. What? 
And so <laughs> I realized this is literally the worst possible thing I'm telling people in a digital age where you're listening to this podcast via your phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's what this says. It says nothing to turn someone off to you like a mid conversation text message or even a quick glance at your phone or your smartwatch. Josh is looking at his phone right now. Quite literally. Well, I'm um, taking a picture for Instagram, but yeah, that's, oh, we'll go yeah, with yeah, I'm looking yeah. at my phone. <laughs> when genuine people commit to a conversation, they focus all of their energy on the conversation. You will find that conversations are more enjoyable and effective when you immerse yourself in them. When you robotically approach people with small talk and are tethered to your phone, this puts their brains on autopilot and prevents them from having any real affinity for you. Mm. Genuine people create connection and find depth even in short, everyday conversations. Their genuine interest in other people makes it easy for them to ask good questions and relate what they're, what they're told to other important facets of the speaker's life. Um, so that was a, that was a, um, a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but, the, but the general idea here is in conversation with somebody you aren't distracted by that text message that comes into your phone. Or you, if you are like me and you wear an Apple watch, um, you know, your, your watch buzzes and you look at your watch, which is a, you know, dual edged sword <laughs> because at the same time you're reading a text message and you are perceived to be checking the time, <laughs> which is like conversationally a huge taboo because people are like, Oh, am I getting boring? Is this person have enough of a conversation? Yeah, do they have to peace out? I'm guilty yeah, of like, doing that, out? by the way. <laughs> I've and and like, oh man, like I've like I've really I've, I've I'm talking too much to this person and I'm boring them and man, I'm just a boring person and now you first start to feel terrible. So, um, but they put away their phones and you know instead of like just phones, I want to just kind of you know maybe make this a little bit simpler. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in conversation with somebody, you're focused on conversation with that person. Yeah. You're actually engaged in that person's life. And so like, you know, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell, tell the kids all the time, you know, if you ever want to, if you ever want to reach people for the kingdom of God, go out to coffee with someone and shut up. (laughs) There you go. And let, that's the best advice I've heard in a long time. Let let this, let this other person you're talking to tell you about them and hear their story and hear where they're coming from. And don't tell them all the different things that you like to do. Don't tell them all the things that are important to you, but instead learn about this other person. And that will help you ask good questions. That will help you know about this person. It'll also, from a faith side of it, it'll give you things to be praying for, for this person. Uh, and it will give you the opportunity to really speak into their life. But you know what? just become a real genuine friend of this person. Mm. Um, and so that's something that I, just as I'm thinking about, that's important, but Josh, what, what's your thoughts on the phone side of it? Because the phone side of it, man, like you can't go anywhere today without our phones. I mean, you know, that, that's yeah, pretty tough. Su- yeah, for sure. And I'm actually, it's funny cause I guess this is good because I felt like maybe I was patting myself on the back a little bit earlier. This is a chance for me to trash myself. I'm terrible at this. Oh. I'm terrible at this for real. Um, about putting my phone. I didn't away. bring this one up, by the way, so that you would trash yourself. Yeah, you did. Don't lie. Don't be disingenuous, Marty. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but and and specifically though, and this is where it's hard for me. Specifically, I am bad about this phone thing when it comes to my wife. Mm. I am relatively in conversation with people and stuff. Uh, who are, you know, that aren't my wife. (laughs) So my students, for example, 
or at work or things like that uh, within the realms of quote unquote ministry. Um, I tend to be decent at the, the phone thing, um, at being, you know, in conversation with people and being focused on that. But I'm really bad at it when it comes to my wife, which, you know, is really dumbfounding because my wife is, you know, the person um, in this world that I love the most. And, um, you know, so I guess maybe sometimes you feel like you have some kind of leeway, like, oh, well, she loves me. So, you know, she knows mm. I, I love her. So I can, you know, look at this text message while she's talking or whatever. So that's just a confession. That's something I've been working on getting better at is keeping my phone away when I'm talking to my wife. Um, but I think, too, just the – and you hinted at this, Marty. The the phone thing can almost be seen as a metaphor. When you're interacting mm-hmm. with people, be present. And that sounds like a minor thing, and it's, again, something that I'm not always the best at, but be present within the realm of a conversation. Um And I think that's the larger thing that the phone bit is maybe pointing at. What does it mean to be present? And I think even too, just in general, in life overall, what does it mean to be present in the moment? Not just to be a genuine person, but I I think your life will be better if you realize how to live in the moment um, and just be present. And, you know, that whole that old uh, verbiage of be still and know that I am God, be present in the moment. Um, Those things are really helpful. And so I, I think ultimately the phone thing points to a larger, a larger picture, but just people can tell if you're talking to them and you don't really care about what they're saying. And I used to, and I've, again, I still struggle with this sometimes, um, but I've, I've been working hard to try to get better at it. When you're listening to somebody, instead of trying to formulate your response, why don't you actually listen to them? Um, which is something that actually I think podcasting has helped me out with a lot because if, if, you know, you were trying to make a point, Marty, and I was trying to formulate my response, I could look, you know, it would, it would hurt the conversation because I would just be saying something (laughs) to you that, that isn't necessarily helpful or actually respond. You know, I I didn't fully hear what you were saying is what I'm getting at. So listening to people and then being willing to say, okay, I've listened to what they said. Maybe even saying, okay, Marty, I hear you saying this. Is that true? Yes. Okay, let me take some time, then formulate a response. So just being present in the moment, listening to people, taking interest in their lives, those are genuine things. And you should take interest in people's lives because all of us are created in the image of God. All of us are of infinite worth to God. And so I think when we maybe meditate on that or dwell on those kind of things, it can ultimately help us be a more genuine person. Yeah, man, that's that's really well said. And, you know, I think as we get as you get to know people a little bit better um, here, here's a here's a true mark of relationship. If somebody gets to know you and then after spending a little bit of time with you and they like, you know, actually get to know you a little bit deeper, they don't want to spend any more time with you. Chances are. You're not a very genuine person <laughs> on set, you know, as you get to meet somebody, you know, maybe they're like, oh, this person seems kind of interesting. You know, this person seems like someone I would enjoy spending time with only after a couple times, you know, going out to the movies, you know, for them to be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm kind of busy. I can't do anything. You know, I'm not around or, you know, or maybe it's with a date. Like maybe you've gone on a date with a girl or a guy a couple times and then like after you know, two or three dates, the person's like not really interested anymore. Maybe there's other reasons for that. But one of the reasons could be that um, they have sort of begun to unearth portions of who you are Hmm. 
that they didn't see up front. And those portions of who you are, as they've unearthed it, they've they've determined like, oh, this person isn't actually anything like what they said they were or, or what I gathered at first. And so, um, you know, it, as just to kind of bring it all back together, the article was on World Economic Forum. It's called How Being Genuine Affects Your Career Success. Uh, as you can see, there's so much more to being genuine than how it affects your work life and how it affects, you know, being successful and all those things. So I, I just I want to push back on that title and just say there's more to it than career success. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would I would actually strongly say if the only side of being genuine in your opinion is so that you can be successful in your career, <laughs> you, you probably aren't a very genuine person. Amen. Um, Preach, brother. And so um, the one one quick place I want to kind of steer things to, and uh, you know, Josh, this episode feels a little bit like an interview. Um, like you're the expert, I'm interviewing you. Um, I'm not an expert on okay. anything except nothing. Well, you're an expert on Josh Patterson. That's true, and um, he's a dick. So, he... <laughs> well, um, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> Josh, I wanted to kind of talk about our experience a little bit okay. um, in in ministry. Yeah. Um, and so, as we kind of alluded to, or actually, we didn't really allude. We literally just talked about it. Um, <laughs> we there straight was, up said it. <laughs> <laughs> there were moments in our ministry career um, where the people that we were dealing with maybe didn't necessarily fall into the genuine side yeah. or the genuine category. Um, and so, you know, Josh, I know that for both of us, um, that affected us pretty deeply. Um, you know, even now, even after, um, being in those, in those roles, being at those places, um, being around those disingenuine people really kind of removed, um, some of like who we were almost yeah. like it kind of made us, uh, you know, it kind of hurt on a deeper level than just, you know, oh, the, uh, th- that person wasn't very nice. They said they were this. They weren't who they we, who I thought they were. It's whatever. Um, it was more than that for both of yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I feel like Josh and I have a pretty unique perspective um, to see things from the inside out on what being genuine looks like. And so we kind of want to list off a couple things. Uh, and Josh, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you start off with this. Uh-oh. Um, and so what, what I'm hoping we will not do is call on anyone specifically. So oh, I'm going I'm to, I want we'll... to use names, street addresses, <laughs> social security numbers. <laughs> so yes. Well, if you feel so inclined, um, this is Marty Frederick signing off. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but honestly, um, I, what I think you guys, um, it, it would be really beneficial for you to hear if you're a layperson going to church and maybe you've wondered about your pastor or you've wondered about the person leading a specific ministry you're involved in, what it looks like to be genuine. Uh, Josh and I just want to kind of talk about some of those. So only you go first, Josh. Yeah. So some, I mean, this is a really hard one cause it's going to be, you know, uh, a really case by case, you know, church by church, person by person. Um, so we can share some of our, you know, things that we have noticed, Marty, or some of our experiences, but they might not necessarily, you know, correspond with other people's. Um, also, you know, it, some people who are disingenuine are really good at hiding it. Um, yeah. And so just things that we notice, like, for example, uh, we would, um, you know, we did the, these things called writing retreats where we would go and write sermons for the next three, four months, like all written out. 
and we would literally take like copy and paste bits of sermons that were taught last year and then like there would be stories in it that you know like that they would tell the same story but with different people i think marty you actually had an experience with that right like you personally yeah yeah i had to share a story that wasn't my own yeah and why uh, was, was that just using my name <laughs> yeah. Uh, because uh, this, the message was already written. Yeah, and that's disingenuine. So. <laughs> Boom. Like, that's just, that, I mean, yeah. that is so, that is bizarre to me. That was one thing that really stood out to me. Um, I mean, just the way people, if you kind of step back and look at how different people are treated within the ministry. So if you notice that people that seem to be more affluent or are of a specific ethnicity or of a specific gender or something are treated more favorably, then maybe there might be something going on there. Maybe not. It could be a coincidence, but that that is something too that should, you know, tip you off. Also, um, a lot of the time, um, disingenuineness can come from just like this sense of like the church almost feeling like a business. Like I know multiple times I had people come up to me and be like, dude, this really feels like a business around here. It doesn't feel like a church. They're always plugging something, always asking for more money. There's always a new, Hey, this is a once in a lifetime chance to give to this specific thing. Like, so if you are noticing things like that, odds are something's going on, but also too. And I know Sometimes this can be told as just bad biblical advice and we're taught not to do this, but I think God gave it to us for a reason. Sometimes you can really just trust your gut. If someone seems like they are disingenuine or they are a jerk, then maybe they are. Look into those things, you know, ask people, maybe seek out conversations. Um, If your pastor is like never really available for you, they're probably pretty disingenuine. Like I know there are on multiple occasions when we were working, when somebody would show up in need of something, you know, they're upset or, or whatever, they need prayer, and uh, or they call in asking for the head pastor, and we were we would be told to lie. Marty, if I'm overstepping my bounds there, please correct me. We would be told to lie and say that the head pastor is not available because they're busy, and Marty or I or both would have to see that person. That is disingenuine by the head pastor and shame on them. Mm. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't remember if it was geared in the under the lines of, you know, lie and say they're not available or if it was just sort of like a, oh, yeah, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the midst of something. Can you just take care of it? Sure. Um, you know, but but either way, you're right. I mean, that is certainly uh, those those specific scenarios in which you're you're mentioning um, would lead me personally, if I was around, to be like, oh, you know, that's a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure this person's a very genuine person. Um, one of the marks of disingenuine uh, nature, in my opinion, would be um, if everything seems to be rote. Um, <laughs> you know, so if everything kind of seems to be um, scripted, kind of put together. Now, I, I think there is a benefit to things being scripted. So here, don't hear me wrong on this. I think there's a good a goodness to knowing what it is you're going to say, uh, knowing what it is you're going to talk about. I mean, it's it'd be the equivalent of Josh and I on the podcast uh, starting the podcast without a topic. <laughs> uh, like, obviously, that would be really bad. Um, these top these conversations would be bad. The podcast will be bad. Maybe you already think the podcast is bad, and I will tell you, you be quiet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but be quiet. Like, yeah, but 
but honestly, if you know, I, you know, multiple times I can remember um, it feeling very much scripted. And then when I was um, literally given the script uh, for certain things that we would talk, that we would say and do from stage, um, you started to see like, oh wow, like this is very disingenuine. Um, and then I guess one other thing that would stick out to me, um, and Josh, I know that this happened with you personally, um, but it happened with me on occasion as well. Um, as I got to know people specifically, being a relational person, as I mentioned earlier, uh, life for me being all about how can I get to know this person on a deep level, not just hello, how are you, and walk away. People began to say things like, when you spoke during that message, it didn't sound like you. It <laughs> sounded like somebody else. Yeah. Um, or when people would say things like, I remember Josh, your mom even said, like, it doesn't sound like you when you're up there. Right. Um, like, you're not, you're not giving your, me- it doesn't sound like you are speaking. And, you know, when you're doing something that isn't yours, it becomes hard to make it yours and speak like it's yours. Absolutely. Um, and so I think, you know, I think those those are just a couple marks. And I don't like, again, like, listen, every place is going to be different. So it does not mean that our experience is going to define yours in locating disingenuine people uh, or locate or and not that you're out on a witch hunt. OK, this is also not a witch hunt. I don't want you to, you know, take the four things we kind of talked about as well as the article we talked about. You know, and like start putting all your pastors and your your ministry leaders to a test. Like, okay, let's see. Does this person meet this? Check. They're good. Check. Oh, wow, 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 wow. They were talking to me and they checked their phone and they had to walk away. Well, maybe they checked their phone and had to walk away because there was a problem. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, exactly. Be real. You know, and realize that it's not always going to be what what you think it is. But when you think about being genuine, know that. The best mark of being genuine, as Josh mentioned earlier, uh, is just kind of trusting your gut. As you talk with this person, does this person seem engaged in you? Uh, Does this person seem engaged in the conversation? Are they asking questions? Do they want to know about you? Or are they kind of listening to who you are and kind of saying, oh, you know, great. Okay, well, oh, that's terrible. I can't believe that happened. Or, you know, when something terrible happens to you, you know, and they call call you their friend, are they going to call you up on the phone and ask how things are going? Or are they, are they the kind of person that uh, when they see you next, they're going to ask you to do something for them before asking how you're doing? Um, <laughs> and so what I would what I would say to you is when you are looking for this, don't go out just seeking it. OK, but instead, when you're when you're trying to decide, is this person genuine? Do so because there's a reason for it. Um, you know, if if you are starting to wonder about your pastor, or you're starting to wonder about something like that. Again, this is not a witch hunt. This is for you. If you are sitting under someone that is truly disingenuous, that truly does not care about you. I thoroughly believe that you will you will continually be stunted in your spiritual growth. Um, Absolutely. You personally will not. Yeah, you're, you're not going to find the the ways of like saying, man, like I've grown in my faith. I've gotten stronger. I've been closer to the Lord. And I'm so glad that I've got this great leader that knows me and cares about me. Uh, that's kind of guiding that in, for, in my life. But if, if you don't feel that way, then I would look into this and say like, okay, how genuine is this person that I'm spending my time with? Um, but again, I would also say just spend some time in prayer. Talk to God. And don't do anything at all without checking in against what God wants you to do first. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. 
Um, and Marty, too, I think I just want to share one more story, just an, just an experience. And if anything, this is just like almost like therapy for me, getting stuff off of my chest um, so that it's out there. So listeners, if you're still listening, thank you for listening. You are helpful uh, to me in a wide variety of ways um, that you will never know. But there was a time at our previous place of employment where I was asked to write a devotion for a Christmas party. Now, again, a Christmas party. There was maybe going to be 30 people there. I was asked to write a devotion for it. I wrote my message, manuscripted it like I was asked, sent it over to the, the head pastor because it had to be checked first to make sure I didn't say anything bad. When it was sent back to me, it was completely different than what I had sent over. My phraseology was changed. The voice of the message was changed. How it sounded was changed. The way I said things was changed. And I sent back in an email, and I believe you were CC'd on it, Marty. If you don't remember this story, then you know, forgive me, but I'm pretty sure you were CC'd on it. And I said, hey, you know, I think if I speak this way or I change this, people are going to know that I'm not being genuine. I feel like I'm not being myself, and, I'm, and, and you're trying to get me to be somebody else. Well, two short minutes after I sent that email, I had a stern talking to where I was called into the head pastor's office. They slammed the door, got in my face and said, how dare you, how dare you question my authority and the things that I am telling you to do. You sent me your devotion, asked for my feedback. I give it to you. And then you tell me I'm wrong. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Well, like I said, I was forced to send him that devotion. And then as soon as I pushed back on, on him, just to say this is disingenuine, I got reamed out for it. And I was not very happy. I did not enjoy teaching that message because it was no longer mine. Um, and that was just a very difficult thing. And that is, again, disingenuine. And a time when I felt I had to be disingenuine. And... I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with the story. I needed to get it off my chest. So that's all I'm sharing. I'm venting. Well, and I think I recall you, you, you were going to use a word like, uh, like it sucked. (laughs) You were going to say you wanted something for Christmas and you said you didn't get it and it sucked. Right. But, uh, that was, that was too childish to say. Um, so yes. I'm glad you were able to get that off your chest. Josh. Yeah, it. That, I mean, it might sound petty to some people, but that's just ridiculous. Like, especially to be talked to, talked to that way because, in, I don't know. We're not going to get into that. That person's a jerk. That's, and they're they're probably very, not confident in who they are and things like that. And that's fine. So we're going to move on before I say things that I will later regret. Which is just me being genuine right now. I'm telling you, I will say things that I should not say <laughs> if we don't move on from this topic. <laughs> well, Josh, I'm glad we were able to have this good discussion. I think I think the, the, the benefit of this conversation is more so instead of you checking other people and their genuine nature, I think it's worth us saying uh, it's also important for you to make sure that you pass this kind of sort of checklist of what it means. Yeah, to be I genuine. think that's the ultimate uh, thing. You know, check yourself yeah. first before you go pointing fingers at anybody. And even if you maybe you shouldn't eat well, we're pointing fingers at people, so I guess it is okay, but also just check yourself <laughs> first. <laughs> well, and so I think 
um, as you go about listening to this episode and you kind of think like, oh, that's interesting, like what it means to be a genuine person. Um, and I think it's I think the most genuine you can be um, is being the type of person that seeks relationship with other people um, in a way that doesn't just build yourself up, but instead also builds up the other person. Yeah. Uh, in a way, you know, let relationship that you have with people, let that be about um, being close to people um, and growing, growing closer with people, but also let that be about, you know, what it means to be in relationship with other individuals in the kingdom of God. Uh, and, you know, think about that. And if, if the person you're in relationship with isn't a Christian, that's okay. Absolutely. Because that's exactly what we're called to do is to have deep defining relationships with individuals and other people, not with an agenda, not to push something on them, but just to get to know somebody. Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you might be in relationship with someone for decades before uh, they have an interest in, in faith. And, and you know, they, they will have an interest in faith uh, because of the genuine relationship you have. And they'll come to you and they'll want to hear from you your thoughts on that. And so that's, I think, where the idea of being salt and light that Jesus talks about, uh, I think that is what that really encompasses. And so today, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested about what it means to be a genuine person and how you can be a genuine person, I think um, just be looking for ways to um, reach out to other people that you know in your community or at work or at your church or whatever, uh, and just get to know them and get to know them for relationship purpose instead of your own purpose. And I think from that point, uh, you will be uh, you will be right on your track. And guys, this is not something that you do once and you're good at. This is something that's an, a constant effort. Um, but I think if you work at it, and we all work at it together. Uh, we can begin to make this world a better place. And then, um, sort of like we talked about last week, uh, we can vote for the right people. <laughs> and uh, okay, we won't. We won't <laughs> vote, so. Well, Josh, it's been a great episode, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, dude, I think so. And I think too. I just real quick before we sign off, I just want to strongly, strongly, strongly echo what Marty was just saying. A huge part of being a genuine person, and one thing that I am convinced strongly convinced will benefit. uh, I don't even like saying it that way. The church will be better off if they stop treating people like a bunch of freaking projects all the time. Go meet somebody Mm -hmm. because they have inherent value as a creation of God, as an image bearer of God, as a human being, as a person, regardless of their faith background, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their age, their economic status, their education, whatever. You have to start seeing Jesus in people. Look for the intrinsic value, the, the, the God, literally the God-given value that every single person has. Stop treating people as a project. And like Marty said, the world would be a much better place. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, if you've made it this far, thank you again for listening. Um, hopefully this episode hasn't sucked. You know, at theology doesn't suck. Da-da-ts. Lame joke. Um, moving on. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to contact us, please visit our website, theologydoesntsuck.com, theologydoesntsuck.com, where you will find a contact us page. Makes sense. There's a form there. Send us your questions, your complaints, your concerns, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Hit us up. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Theology Doesn't Suck. Also, if you have never done so, please, 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 please rate and review the podcast. It will help us, you know, 
get noticed. It'll help us get out there. Um, but also, hopefully, um, it'll help increase our community here at Theology Doesn't Suck, where we can continue to have really helpful conversations with people from differing perspectives, seeking to bring not only the body of Christ closer together, but then ultimately, through the body of Christ, the world closer together. Marty, did I miss anything? Nope. You sound good. All right. Let's go, Caps. Go Blackhawks.